Welcome to the Docs Who Lift podcast, where we distill and simplify the complexities of a healthy lifestyle, exercise, medicine, and weight loss. We're excited to bring you a podcast that's a prescription for clinical practice, scientific recommendations, and just real life. This this is the Docs Who Lift podcast. Welcome back to the Docs Who Lift podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Dodolsky. i got my co-host, co-pilot here, Dr. Carl. And today we're, we're going to be talking about the new, brand new, just hot off the press, pediatric obesity guidelines. And the, it's, we're not even going to go through them uh, this, step by step of uh, all of it in there because it's a huge, it's a huge, huge guideline, big, yeah. big paper. Although it's not like they have a million recommendations. No, they, but they just have a lot so of good, good background. background good, they talk about their methodology and the basic recommendations. Yeah. Very holistic. The, the, yes. Very holistic. Extremely holistic. Jeez. So <laughs> the but people are mad. But the people are mad. The headlines come out and they basically say, experts, are pushing drugs uh, for weight loss and surgery and surgery before for weight loss, and so the kids, the kids, but they're kids. Somebody now, now what? One disclosure: I am an internal medicine and adult endocrinologist specialist. You're at least family practice. We have some pediatric people that we should probably get on. Your wife is a neonatologist, so yeah. um, generally speaking, she's not going to get into this stuff either specifically. But we're going to. This is just more of an overview, and we're talking about the backlash discussion today. because of the, yeah, kind of the backlash. We'll we'll get someone on with who's a pediatrician. We want to, really we want to dig get a pediatric obesity specialist because it is different than treating yeah. adults. We learned it. We had to do the right. t- for the our own little uh, obesity board certification. There is a, right. a big component of pediatric obesity on there. I do, you know, family medicine is the broadest. So not only did I do peds, I did adults, and I also did uh, obstetrics, which was not my favorite. Um, thing to do but anyway i did it and uh my brother he doesn't know anything about kids so he doesn't know a damn other, other than well uh, to be fair other than uh some of the real specific monogenic yeah, and genetic yeah. uh disorders that cause obesity uh very severe because they turn into adults yeah. and so yeah we know yeah. them and gotta gotta look out for them, them. Uh, so okay so the backlash was it came out two like two days ago or three days ago it doesn't matter a few few days just ago, a couple yeah. days ago we're doing this podcast now i did a very quick yeah. few little by the time um, this podcast comes out it'll be about it'll a week be old. old it's old it's old news not really but i did a few little uh, social media posts about it because what what happened you get these headlines that say experts say to take drugs and surgery for weight loss and people don't i it, this is classic people do not read beyond the headlines if you read the little short article about it, there are a few little snippets of things that we're going to talk about. Um, as one of the experts, uh, ob- pediatric obesity experts, said obesity is not a lifestyle disease. It's more a disease of the brain, and it's kind of like we'll, – we'll get into that. Uh, that's that's right. one of the things that specifically it's, – It's not wrong, but it's not exactly right either. That's the problem. And then people yeah. – it's a, it's a quote. People take it, and then they run with it, and then they start attacking because yeah. – we can't have nice things. And so I'm getting tagged all day right now. I'm, I just, I keep seeing, hey, Dr. Nadolsky made a uh, a video about this. Go check him out. Or I'll just get tagged. Dr. Nadolsky, what, what are your thoughts on this person? Because what everybody's saying is just, they're simply looking at the headlines. That's, that's it. They, and yeah, what I said in my little video is that like, if you actually look at the guidelines, they're very straightforward and they're very, they actually push lifestyle more than 
what, than anything. Of what, course, like it's it's very and it's very aggressive. Like all evidence based mainstream medical guidelines that have anything to do with absolutely anything that could be benefited from lifestyle, if the evidence is there, which it is, it's always emphasizes first line absolutely focusing on on lifestyle efforts in a very broad and holistic manner yeah going from simple to very intensive lifestyle efforts and that is up in front front and center is that you knocking all that who's stuff. knocking I mean, who's knocking what is that knocking? no that's our that's that's the people working on our house <laughs> uh, sorry Rune. house is falling down Kids are getting surgery for weight loss when they're not even a recommended lifestyle. No, so that's what these people are saying. The people are these people are mad. They're like, "Well, whatever happened to diet and exercise?" I'm like, "They do. The whole thing is about diet and exercise yeah. and lifestyle." Yeah. In fact, they talk. They t- some would argue it's too heavy on yeah, they, diet and exercise yes. because, and that's where it gets into the these quotes by the you know one of the authors who said that it's a very genetic brain triggering disease process, which we've talked about before. My argument would be it is a lifestyle disease, but the brain and genetics and environment push that specific lifestyle. That's, that's what I would say to be more, a a bit more specific. But yeah, different people will, will, will debate that, that some of the researchers will, will fight that. Like we talked about, um, we'll get Anya on here and, and, uh, you know, the, the actual underlying root issue is, a lot of the the polygenics. We're not going to talk about the severe, rare, monogenic. Which they do talk about in the guidelines. They do. They, they, they list talk them about out. them, but they don't. But they don't include them as in the recommendations. No, they list them out though. So they actually excluded those. They just they just review them, and there are other you know guidances for those very rare things that that ultimately we all do need to be more uh, aware of. For example, you know, going to that a second, talking about how heritable this is, and most people, by far, it's polygenic with a lot of different genetic factors driving the kids in this obesogenic environment, which is the other part of this, right, and and struggling with obesity. But then, you know, remember when we were at Obesity Week, um, or maybe it was before you got there, um, you know, and I was watching the genetic talk Dr. Um, by Dr. Farouk, which who's who's the um, leading, well, I think, know, the global the leader in in uh, genetic obesity, yeah. and you know, they were talking about how historically in the media people would see these really little bitty kids, like in, infant slash toddlers, really early on in life with very severe obesity. And these kids were being taken away from their families because they thought it was child abuse because everyone was like, well, you must be feeding your kid all sorts of food. But they had very severe biological drive to to eat well beyond what their metabolic needs were and have severe obesity. And and yet the parents were being punished and the families were being shamed. Yeah. Um, but these kids had, probably had just severe genetics. We hear about the Prader-Willi and, and the, the, the yeah. syndromes, and, and but then like we that. also see some of the monogenic where they straight up have a, a MC4 or POMC uh, mutation of some sort, yeah. one of these uh, things in the brain that we've talked about in the past. And I, I've had, we have uh, friends um, that have talked about uh, – relatives who they have to lock the cabinets and sometimes the cabinets are broken open and they'll just ravenously eat you know whole things of peanut butter Mm -hmm. um despite having just had dinner and that type of thing so anyway these things do exist it's good to have these these guidelines are aware but i think the big thing about this is that 
clearly people just don't read past the headlines. People are like, I can't believe they're doing this. Why not just do diet and exercise and good old fashioned lifestyle? Well, that that's what most of the guidelines were absolutely about. They talk about the different guidance they give and, and how they have these comprehensive centers, which not everybody has access to, which is good to understand. And, um, and then when to consider maybe adding in medicine or, and, or surgery. So the, the argument is, cause people are like, and then there's other people, there's the Hayes group, you know, the healthy at every size group. They're going, Ugh. this is, this is atrocious. They're going to cause eating disorders. They're going right. to cause this and that. And it's like, well, they're ignoring the, the, the unhealthful effect, the harmful effects of obesity, especially in pediatrics. Yeah. Pediatric obesity is extremely severe in the, in the risk of health problems. And, and those health problems are harder to deal with if you develop them when you're a kid. Yeah. And, and by the way, obesity itself, the disease of obesity, which is, I think what this quote that we talked about where that comes from is also harder to treat once the disease of obesity is sort of established, even though despite all the different genetics that can really drive the risk of obesity in our obesogenic environment, we know that we have lots of studies that show that despite those genetic risks, lifestyle efforts can really help prevent obesity. Yeah. Mitigate. The- it's less it's less effective though to actually treat the obesity. Yeah. You know, which is where the medicines come in and where that guy's quote saying, well, it's a it's, you know, it's a it's a disease of the brain, not so much lifestyle. Uh, you know, to some degree, I feel like that's a, a yeah. quote that's a and we'd have to t- ask him, you know, but but obviously that's not what he meant because it's not in the guidelines. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting. I mean, it's, it's absolutely heavy in lifestyle and intensive behavioral therapy first. But I will say that we know, despite the grade A level of evidence for lifestyle therapy, because it's so obviously safe and has some benefit for all sorts of things, it isn't as effective when you're it, well, first of all, it's not as effective for everybody. Yeah. And that's because we have these biological drives once once obesity is is established. I don't like the quote. It, it just there's not enough nuance in the quote. It just right. I don't know what his context is. If you if he's talking about don't, don't remember when 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 media people, when um, yeah. the journalists ask us stuff, they take they take the quotes that they want. They don't give all the quotes. So who knows what he really said? Yeah, who knows what it was? Because because you develop obesity because of your lifestyle that whether that's your your fault or not if that makes sense so like energy balance is a thing we talked about that calories in calories out these kids with monogenic deletions or mutations ravenously eat it's still their lifestyle but that's not that's it's not their fault if that makes sense i I think yeah i think the words people would debate those words because i'll tell you like yeah the obesity you know, researchers that do this stuff that get real into that would say, well, that's not lifestyle. That's an underlying root cause of driving their energy intake. I guess. And it's not really a lifestyle. It depends on what you call lifestyle. Yeah. Lifestyle is like, what anybody does. Like even with the medicine and surgery, what it's doing is it's, it's working on that underlying root pathophysiology yeah. to help the people reduce their energy intake, which you could argue is lifestyle. So it's, yeah, I think sometimes, I think, and, and yeah, I think you're yeah, right. We have to work on these wordings. Yeah, you think, know what I mean? I think, these, I think that's, I think that's, I think that is the issue. Cause a lot of people took issue with that. I'm like, well, it's still our lifestyle because whether it's our fault or not, but it is the brain driving that lifestyle. I don't know, whatever. Right. It doesn't matter. And then you could argue that that's not truly a lifestyle. Cause it's yeah. just, it's just their, you know, if they were out in the wilderness, they'd be 
consistently seeking food because <laughs> that's what there's is the drive. Yeah. And if it's available, they're going to eat it. And most of us would. And because we have multiple mild, at least polygenic risks of obesity, and some of us get away with with, uh, you know, not being as intense. You have and, polygenic and, and risk others. of abs in the utero. <laughs> I say it every single episode. <laughs> I know, not, now every, it's going to be a real single, thing. because you've Every single episode. <laughs> My brother has polygenic, <laughs> he has polygenic risk score for having huge pecs and chiseled abs <laughs> since birth. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet, but you know what that actually reminds me of? So not only do we have the genes that sort of what they say, load the gun and then the obesogenic environment that triggers it. But then think about all the other things that this goes back to our discussion on obesity pathophysiology is that then you, you throw in, um, you know, psychiatric issues. Yeah. So stress, binge eating disorders, you know, and, and the reason that made me just think about it is because of wrestling, mm -hmm. you know, cutting weight for wrestling all those years. If you talk to me or any other, not you, if heavyweight, but um, anybody else who's cut weight, cut we understand. <laughs> no, not a, not a damn. Not even a but, single pound. You know, we understand some of that disordered eating stuff that yeah. my patients talk to me about. So at least I can say, I know it doesn't look like it, but I get that. So that's a whole nother aspect. And then you throw in medications, yeah. medical problems. We obviously, this whole guideline does talk about screening for well, what, what's going on? Not only all the lifestyle and, and, you know, the nutrition and exercise throughout the life, but mental health, um, medications, other endocrine disorders. Yeah, they go into social yeah. determinants of health. Social so determinants is, of health, which is a, which is a big deal these days because it's true. The evidence is there. I don't know. I always think of the, the single mom working two jobs to make ends meet. She's got two kids, three kids, whatever. And uh, maybe not living in the nicest neighborhood with you know, convenience stores around, but not a nice, you got to take the bus to the, you, you start adding all these little things in there. So all those, all those things do um, make a, a yeah, big difference. Realize it's, it's, yes, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts. It's pretty easy for the fitness trainers and professionals out there. You know, the, the 26 year old guy who like works in the, in the gym every day and works with, patients and eats really well and has good genetics and and has abs all the time saying well gosh why why can't these people just do diet and exercise yeah it's 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 something it's just not having not helpful empathy and then you know some will pe people will say well it, it doesn't mean it's not hard it's like yeah but the the, the level of difficulty is just on oh, exponentially different exponentially different uh yeah. on the order of like not just 10 times but 100 times or, or more um for some yeah. individuals and especially once again, once the obesity is already set in. I think that's the issue. I mean, yeah. how many friends do we know, you know, we grew up with who really had had weight struggles since right. they were we were little kids. We all played sports together. It seemed like our dietary yeah, habits they were relatively similar different. sometimes. It wasn't like obviously egregious. And yet, despite wrestling and football workouts and all that stuff, some guys struggled yeah. more with their weight. And yeah, there were I'm sure they were taken in, you know other sources of food that we didn't necessarily see because of genetics or whatever their environment that they had at home etc but um you know yeah i mean it's we had to learn that too as we've gone through this process we didn't understand we were just like those trainers once upon a time back in our day saying well geez yeah. well we can do it 
I have abs, so everyone yeah, else should be able I to don't have abs. Fault, it turns out that's not true. I don't fault the people that don't understand it. I fault them when we try to explain and they push back a little bit harder. I think that's that's what that's I. That's right. Yeah, because because instead of ignorance, so that you know, if we get into <laughs> word definitions, right? Ignorance, sure, but once you once you learn and you and you have access to the science and the evidence, and you still like deny it and. And in a way that you're being like an asshole, yeah. that's not helpful. Like then you're just being an asshole yeah, or foolish or something. And you're just trying to push your, your agenda or whatever it is. Well, I mean, the bottom line is like, so, okay. So for, for these kids, oh, is it so scary that these drugs and surgeries are, are being uh, a little bit, they're being a little bit more aggressive because what, what before they called it the watch and wait. And what, what we're seeing is that we're not really impacting people despite all these aggressive mm-hmm. lifestyle you know, telling people, hey, we should help them with the yeah. diet and exercise. And unfortunately, it doesn't work for many people. Right. So then they're right. going, hey, we got to be aggressive about this. Because as you said, what we talk about area under the curve, they start getting these diseases earlier instead of like in their 40s and 50s, type 2 diabetes, they're getting them in their teens. And once you have that, you're putting yourself at a very early cardiovascular death or other types of deaths um, that are out there. So morbidity, yeah. mortality. Well, for, ex- for example, so I'll, I'll give you one example where I do know a fair amount about the pediatric population is that those with significant obesity who develop insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes early on, they require insulin sooner because they're, I, I look at it as, well, their pancreas didn't have enough time to develop and fully mature, right? Because they, they uh, you know, they developed obesity, insulin resistance, um, fatty pancreas, which we will call it that. And it failed before they ever really matured. And, and then even when we treat the underlying issues, like their obesity and, and all that stuff, they, their pancreas doesn't work. Yeah. It seems like when they're young adults. And so, you know, we really do need to be aggressive earlier on. And if, and if they're not responding well to lifestyle, we really do have to think about medications and surgery for these kids because the severe consequences of obesity and the adiposity-based diseases like diabetes, heart disease, sleep apnea, arthritic problems, you know, musculoskeletal issues, those far outweigh any little potential risks that people might think that come with these medications and surgeries that actually the data suggest are not, not really there. Like yeah, so the, the benefits far outweigh the risks. So, you know, so far, I mean, yeah, we got to keep studying, right? Yeah. So when we were at, uh, they, they presented the data on the step teens trial when we were at mm-hmm. the obesity conference in November, 2021, 2022, God, my years are just flying by whatever 2022, <laughs> yeah. just, a, just a two months ago when we were a couple there. months ago. And, um, this is semaglutide in, in teenagers of ages 12 to 18, I believe, uh, and significant uh, reduction in BMI. What was it? Was it 16? Um, it was, yeah. And percent. it was way better than what I would have expected yeah. for pediatric population. Cause kids are there. It's hard because they're growing. They have different, you know, physiology yeah, and stuff. It was good. It was good. So, so anyway, so they, that, that was kind of, the, that's what people are pointing out. Like there's 200 uh, participants. How do we know this stuff is safe? Well, you know, in adults, um, I have actually 18 year olds on this stuff. Uh, and, and they're just, they're so thankful cause they've struggled with weight their whole lives and they, they haven't had anything that could help them. They were just ravenous and, and hungry. And so, uh, like you said, the, the risks seem to be minimal, uh, other than GI, uh, adverse events, maybe some, a little bit of nausea, 
you know, you know a small little risk of gold stones. Yeah. But man, and the so, benefits, the benefits are amazing. So my question, right. So my question for these people that are so upset about it, it's like, what, what do you, what's your suggestion? I just tweeted out exercise or uh, nutri- nutrition education alone will never, ever, ever solve the obesity epidemic. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying we shouldn't keep studying and learning more. I'm saying education of, of individuals of how to eat. If, let me be clear so it's not just taken out of context. Education, nutrition education to individuals telling them what to eat will never solve the obesity epidemic until we until we somehow find a way to change our environment, which will not happen in our lifetimes, I don't think. Right. And and there are too many competing competing factors in that too. Yeah. You know, you got that yeah. that gets into politics, global, yeah, social global politics that, you know, big food. What what are we going to do? Like force everyone politics, to big food. You know, live in a garden and only eat vegetables and on just that's that's what they want, you know, and yeah, and that's then, right. That's that's the only way I see. We'd have to live on farms and do our own farming and and <laughs> we get to, where's the farm babe let's get the farm babe back here and let's start talk about like we'd have to do the farming you have to go and pick your own berries and whatever else anyway you know what i got a little bit of a tangent but i actually just saw there was in jama um one of the jama journals i just shared a just kind of a cool little study that they did in uh for elementary kids where they were teaching them about gardening yeah about cool. food, vegetables, diet, and and cooking. I think that's pretty yeah, that's, good. That's, that's cool. a way to help, you know, start Can't early hurt. education. Yeah. No. And it, and it had some metabolic benefits just on its own. Yeah. You know? I think that's, I think the, that type of thing is wonderful by itself, you know, unless they've, because the thing is like, and we see it where our kids go to the, these um, birthday parties. And I've noticed, you know, some of the kids that have a little bit of excess weight, they'll eat a few, you know, treats and i've noticed my daughter she loves she loves them but she'll maybe eat a half of it and be like okay i'm full daddy bye and i'm like hey i that's not even that's not a that's not a learned i didn't teach her this it was physiological it was biological i didn't do that yeah, so which is amazing and then on the other hand you know it it seems you know how people always say well gosh that person eats everything they want well there's a little bit of that too you know there's yeah there's uh, you know, everyone has different, different abilities to sort of modulate their metabolism and whatnot i mean because i see the same thing with my kids um you know in my tray the 10 almost 11 year old he's a little meathead he probably if, if we went based purely on pediatric bmi percentages he actually has overweight but he's pretty buff and and lean for a 10, 11 year old, but he sometimes will be the same. He, he can get away with eating lots of stuff because he works out so much and has some sort of metabolic flexibility, we'll call it. But on the other hand, once in a while, he'd be like, he, he and uh, our daughter, like, no, nope, I'm good. Where I'm looking at him going, oh my God, I don't think I would yeah, stop. Yeah, I don't know. That <laughs> you know? is weird. It's like, holy it's cow. interesting. So it's, it, everyone's different. Yeah. And the kids have so much more genetic drive than we even realize yeah. so the gist is all these people that are poo-pooing the these experts which you know expert opinion isn't um but it's but it's not just that this is not expert opinion no they're using rcts this was yeah. based upon systematically yeah. reviewed graded you know heavily graded based upon the evidence the harms and the benefits of the studies to to grade these recommendations so for like example they you know i'm just looking at one where it talks about the surgery, you know, for, for kids 13 and older with, um, you know, a BMI greater than 120th percent of the 95th percentile, because that's how you do mm-hmm. it in pediatrics, different for adults, um, should be, uh, you know, sent for evaluation for metabolic bariatric surgery. 
Um, and it's, it's recommended to consider, but it's a grade C, for example. And we, I don't know that we no. need to get into that for, for people out there. Whereas like the pharmacotherapy, actually, I think is a, if I go back and look, it's a grade B, but, um, the funny thing is, so semaglutide is the older or younger brother of, of liraglutide sexenda. So we govi is mm-hmm. semaglutide. Sexenda is liraglutide. Liraglutide is daily. That one's been approved for, um, for adolescence already a couple of years ago. It got approved three years ago, maybe now two and a half. Nobody ever, nobody, just got approved nobody ever said, yeah. So nobody ever said anything about that. Qsimia actually is also approved yeah, uh, in adolescence. Qsimia is fentramine topiramate. Fentramine topiramate. 12 and over. 12 and again. over. But so <laughs> it's like all of a sudden now, just because the headlines, people are like in an, in an uproar, but these things have already been around. Um, so uh, anyway, um, our whole thing is by discussing this here, we're just like, can you guys, can y'all just kind of actually like look at what what's beyond the headlines and actually read the guidelines that are being yeah. presented? Of course not. Not everybody's going to do it, but I'm telling you. You know what's disappointing about that, I guess, is that the people who are making the biggest fuss about this are what I would consider our healthcare professional colleagues. They're like fitness trainers. A lot of them are RDs, you know, though. Like, They're the, this Hayes group, I've noticed. And well, yeah, or and, and RDs. And it's like, so we're on the same team. You guys are healthcare professionals. Read the guideline. Don't just don't just go with your, you know, initial reaction of uh what what's what's it that everyone does that we call it that the political extremists use the well, outrage culture. Yeah, maybe. outrage culture. Yeah. Everyone just has an outrage reaction. You know, th- don't just fall back on that. You're a healthcare professional. We're all on the same team. So read the guideline. Be appreciative that it really emphasizes lifestyle, like all guidelines do, but then acknowledge the science and the actual clinical benefit to harms of where medications and surgeries come into play and, and just read the whole guideline. I mean, again, I'm not a pediatrician. I, you know, I deal with our own adult stuff, but I, I just read through this quickly and, and realized it, it's pretty reasonable. It's it, of course it is. I mean, it's experts that went through the, a huge systematic review and good methodology and weighed the pros and cons and the, the level of evidence and the biases and all that stuff to come up with these recommendations. Yeah. They didn't just make it up. No. So anyway, think about that. Think about think about what you'd rather see done instead. Current lifestyle guidance hasn't really panned out. It, it does. It in intensive. Right. They do. Well, you know the the keto zealots think yeah. that. So if you want to put the kids so. on keto, we go ahead. That. But the thing is, they do show like if in an intensive behavioral <laughs> comprehensive program, lifestyle can work. It's just really hard to get into those programs. Um, and it doesn't mean to not try those programs either. What, what people are thinking is that like, they're just throwing drugs. Right. It's like, no, you, you still try these other things. Right. Which is not true. No, we don't do that with anything. And all those, and like you said, kind of going back to the, to the semantics and the quotes and stuff, those, the medications help treat the pathophysiology so that the kids can modify their lifestyles, change their dietary intake, lose the weight. Oftentimes that ends up resulting in better exercise, which is good no matter whether you lose weight or not, which goes back to our louder with Crowder thing, making fun of the lady with obesity trying to do yoga. And he said it's 
<laughs> anyway, well, anyways, <laughs> thanks for listening. So, uh, we'll get a pediatric uh, obesity specialist on at some point. May not be next week, but uh, maybe some to really dig into details for people out there to to know what are these really recommending and and what can you do about it. So go ahead and read the guidelines. I'll link them in the in the show notes. Have a good one. This podcast is for entertainment and education and information purposes only. Remember, the physicians on this podcast are not your physician. It should not be considered professional or personalized medical advice. It should not be used to replace speaking with your physician or medical professional to discuss your specific health concerns. The topics discussed should not be used solely to diagnose or treat any condition. As a result, we are not responsible for any unwanted medical outcomes. The views and opinions discussed are of those of the host only and do not represent those of any other entities. Thank <laughs> you.